give us a rating and a review. Ask a question in the review. We'll answer it on here. Yeah, you can ask us a weird question. Any kind of Any, weird question. Nothing we'll ask. is weird with us. You know, nothing is weird. Do you like to put your finger in places that you know you shouldn't put your finger after you pick your nose? That's a fine question. You are listening to the Do Nature Podcast. Welcome to the Dude Nature Podcast. I'm in the reactor with the dogs, with my brother Adam. As always, Adam. Might listen to some rap music right Mac before this episode. D-R-E. Adam, yep. tell me about your gripes of digestion. Tell the people about your gripes of digestion, more importantly. Um, <clears throat> my gripe today is... Wow, it's that bad, huh? Um... I Are just, you aroused? My, Do you have your coffee? My gripe is that I wish that chairs would be better constructed of the human body. I, I need That's a... That's good. Uh, I've been looking for a gaming chair. Mm. Doing some gaming lately. Oh, yeah. And I just... My neck I have, is really hurting. You know, I don't know if you know this, but there's coronavirus and wildfires going on, so you can't really do anything outside. So really, the only thing you can do is play vids. And I need something for my neck, like a little neck pillow, neck support in the chair. I need a man cave. How's your, what is your gripe? I need a man cave where I can lock and deadbolt the door and it would just be me in there alone Why? with the video what games. So you're saying you get five minutes into your video game and then something's like, no, can you take just, the trash out? Yeah, my video game is in the living room. So I'm locked yeah. into like a game yeah. and then she she comes in, I'll make something. I'll be like in like a FIFA game, like a big game. And she'll come in and be like, be like, oh, like, did you take the trash out? Or like, did you, did you make this? And it'll totally throw me off and they'll score. I need absolute locked in focus. How's your digestion? Digestion. Uh, so my digestion, because I'm not drinking coffee in the morning, if you listen to the caffeine episode, because I don't want to be aroused when I'm already aroused. I want to drink coffee when I'm at, I have a little arousal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Since I've moved the coffee to the afternoon, I'm regular now with my workouts, which are also in the afternoon. Okay. So it's been weird switching from the coffee regular to when I start working out, I do the first 10 minutes and then I have to run. I had to run and just and just do it. And that actually brings me to my gripe. Okay. I have no problem with doing the home video like workouts when you're doing lifting. Like if you're just lifting weight for strength doing a home video workout, that's fine. For some reason, the the cardio, like when you do insanity with Sean T or something, mm-hmm. doing a video workout for cardio, because we can't go run outside because it's wild wildfire galore. Um, doing cardio inside from a home workout video is miserable. Mm-hmm. It's just so much more miserable and I hate it. And I'm, I did it yesterday and I've been dreading doing it today and I got to do it right after this. Well, at least you're not running away from the actual wildfires. That's true. Yeah. That's why it's a gripe because it's a petty, uh, I, a petty inconvenience. So you, you have a gripe about my gripe? That was a good gripe. I'm my that's my gripe a, was good? That's what a gripe is. I'm just trying to say, you know, it's not, it's like a problem that isn't an actual problem. It's like, a petty. Like running away from a giant fire. Yeah, the, 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 the cardio home workout video is more than petty for me. I, li- yeah. I literally hate doing it. And that brings us to our intro, Adam. Yeah. Are, are wildfires going to be ba- this bad every year? It's been an absolutely horrible wildfire season. All right? So, it begins that don't suck. Adam has 60 seconds to give us the history of wildfires. Adam, are you ready? Yep. Okay, awesome. Three, two, one. Wildfires are a way of life, Noah, for Western Americans, specifically Californians in general, but now Oregon and Washington as well. They come every year at the end of summer, specifically in September, and used to be a sign of a healthy forest ecology. Now they are absolutely devastating, of course. Three of the four largest fires in California history are happening right now during this very recording. We haven't seen a blue sky in weeks in Portland, and the air quality is currently the worst, I believe, on the entire planet. So what's happening? Ooh. Yeah. No, not my not my best. No, no, no. I liked it. I liked yeah. it. Good ending. Yeah. All right. So that brings us to going on going on what's going on right now in the US. All right, just to catch everyone up to speed. We're gonna give everyone a warning. Okay. This is gonna be a fairly somber episode. It's very it's affected a lot of lives. It's horrible. Yeah. The wildfires. So it's gonna be gonna be a little more of a somber tone than usual. Um so Colorado has had bad fires this year, but we're really going to focus on what's going on right now in California, Oregon, and Washington. And all this data is current 
as to September 14th. So you're probably going to listen to this. Whenever you're listening to this, just remember that. These are stats according to the New York Times. Okay. In Oregon, there's 30 active fires. They've burnt, it's burnt 900,000 acres. There's 10 people dead, 22 listed as missing. Okay. One, the biggest fire here was started by down power lines. 500,000 people, which is, this is crazy. 500,000 people have received some, some kind of evacuation warning, which is 10% of the population of Oregon. Um, and again, we live in Portland, Oregon, and it's been brutal. You cannot breathe outside. One person has been arrested for, arrested for arson for starting small fires. Um, it's not thought at this time that that had anything to do with the big fires. There's another hunt for an unidentified suspect that was also lighting fires. Mm -hmm. Again, all this stuff is ongoing, so it's in flux. Okay, now we're going to move to California. So in California, there's 29 major fires right now across the state. It's burned more than 3.1 million acres. Okay, another way to think about 3.1 million acres is the size of Connecticut. So the size of Connecticut has burnt, has burnt down in, in California. The August co complex fire, uh, which started last month, became the state's biggest wildfire ever recorded, burning 471,000 acres. The, the first, third, and fourth biggest, biggest fires also in California history also started last month. I don't want to interrupt you, but do you look up what an acre exactly is? That uh, is a really good question. I did not look up what an acre is. That's why I looked up with the 3.1 million acres. I thought, it was, you know, just to think about Connecticut like that. Because when someone says 3.1 million acres, it doesn't really mean anything. 3.1 million is the size of Connecticut? Yeah, 3.5 million actually is Connecticut, but 3.1 million is basically Connecticut. Okay, and the August complex fire was how many acres? Yeah, the August okay. complex fire, the state's biggest wildfire ever recorded, recorded burning uh, 471,000 acres. Okay, and that's the one in Northern California? Yeah. Okay. Okay, the third and fourth biggest fires all started last month. Of the 20 biggest fires in California's history, six of them are actually, they're currently blazing right now. Crazy. So it's a, it is an epically horrible wildfire season. And last season was the... Or two seasons ago, was 2018 the camp, the campfire. 2018 was the paradise was the paradise fire. Yeah, that wiped out the town of paradise. Mm -hmm. Um, there's been 23 to 23 deaths in California. Most of these fires are human caused in California. The El Dorado fire, which has grown to more than 10,000 acres, was ignited when a family used a pyrotechnical device to announce the gender of their baby. Yeah. Uh, the Apple fire was caused by a car malfunctioning that sent soot into dry vegetation. Okay, the driver and the car have yet to be identified. There are 14, currently 14,000 firefighters in California working to contain the fires. And experts say that we have at least three months to go in the fire season. Three months to go? Like yeah. with, with the skies like this? Yes. Really? Yeah. <clears throat> so we're, 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 like at, we're like at the beginning. We have three months to go? So That's what they're saying. So September, October, November. Yeah. The end of November. That's what they're saying. How so? These fires are just so big? These fires are that big. Yeah, I guess so. But it's awful. Crazy. Okay. So that's the horrific state that we're in right now. But Adam, are wildfires all bad? Is there everything about a wildfire bad or is there some positive about them? <clears throat> Interesting. You should say that, Noah. Okay? Absolutely. Because there's a bunch of different things we need to think about when we're thinking about wildfires and if they are actually... <clears throat> Sorry, my voice... Are you aroused? I am aroused. Sorry. My, my voice is just like completely shot. I don't know why. I think it's because of the massive amounts of smoke outside. Here we go. Okay. We're back. Um, <clears throat> number one is minimizing the fuel. Okay. So when fires burn in appropriate intervals, not like right now, when they're burning less frequently, they consume leaf litter and other ground vegetation like dead wood. And this can trigger a rebirth of forests and help to maintain native plant species. Okay, in general. So we're talking about do fires happen in appropriate inter intervals. We need to talk about prescribed burns or controlled fires. What is a prescribed burn? A prescribed burn is a fire set intentionally for the purposes of forest management for farming, restoration, or carbon greenhouse gas avoidance. And when I was looking at prescribed burns, which is the tool, like a, the most handy tool that fire agencies in California use to fight wildfires. Like if a wildfire is burning, you can burn a specific area of the forest and hope and use up all the fuel and hope that the fire doesn't jump across that area. And also to prevent file fires, you burn up all the dead fuel that's already in these giant areas that are just going to explode. So the fire doesn't, yeah. 
By by fuel, what do you mean? Fuel, I mean like specifically young trees, dead plants, and new annual plants. Yep. Yeah. So Get rid of that fire, fire's fuel. When I was looking at pre- prescribed burn, I saw a video of a man in South Carolina on a ATV with a flamethrower attached to his handlebars. Just both handlebars just squirting the outside. That's how they do it in the South. That's how they That's do it in the That's called a Southern prescribed burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a Southern prescribed burn. Um, and he also was smoking a cigarette. It was tight. Um, so also you can start with a flare gun. Uh, a lot of people use drip torches. It was heavily utilized by native peoples as well. Uh, back in the day, because they knew the importance of fire. Yes, I think that, I think that's super interesting to touch on. That Native Native Americans themselves, they used a lot of pre pre prescribed burns to manage wildfires. Even Native Americans did this. Yeah. Um. So nat. So those are those are artificially occurring. Yeah. Are there any good wildfires that occur naturally? Is it a natural process of the forest? Yeah, it's absolutely a natural process of the forest. I mean, it's not supposed to happen this often, but. Many trees, I mean, many plants and animals depend on fire. Now, one example is the sequoia tree. So if you look at a sequoia cone, it's several inches and extremely, it's a very tightly packed cone. It's not like a pine cone that you can just break off. You can't like break it apart with your finger. The giant sequoia needs fire to dry out its cones and release the seeds. So to have little giant sequoia babies. Squirrels that like to eat the seeds also depend on fire, the chickadee squirrel, to sufficiently dry out the cones so they can break into it and as well as eat. So it's just one example of how plants actually need fire. What else does a fire do, okay? It returns decaying matter to soil. So fire returns nutrients of decaying plant matter and dead trees to the soil where the minerals can be recycled into the next generation. Also for natural selection. So only the strong, resistant trees will survive the fire. So when the next fire rolls around, the survivor trees will be stronger against it. Uh, One of the current problems is the bark beetle infestation of the western forests, which kills trees and just leaves forests of timber that are ready to absolutely explode. More fuel. More, yeah. more fuel. Yeah. So fire suppression, right? Instead of doing these controlled burns, what we've been doing is we've been tamping out the fires, any kind of fire at all, so that what you have is you have a buildup of energy, a buildup of these very flammable dead trees that have been wiped out by bark beetles so that when a big wildfire happens the fuel is just exponentially crazy. It's like, you know, it's like TNT all stacked up together. It's just ready to pop off because we've been stamping out all the different little fires. Yeah. I think it's, I think that's really interesting to touch on too, is that we've been really against doing any kind of little fire. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, Fires also, like we were saying, safely reduce the excess brush. So low shrubs, dry grass, young trees, these are all things that are fuel for fires and it builds up over time to produce the firestorms that we see today. Uh, So a couple studies. The Tall Timbers Research Station in Tallahassee, Florida, which is a converted plantation to research station, um, after suppressing the fire in one experimental 23-acre plot for nearly 40 years, plant diversity dropped nearly 90%. And an entire species of bird, the red cockaded woodpecker, completely vanished. So that was 90% of the biodiversity was killed by not having fires for 40 years. Can you say, why, why, was it, why was it killed by not having the fires? Why was it killed? Because of all the things I was just saying. Because of no returning the decaying matter to the soil. Because of plants not developing fire resistance. Because of natural selection of the strongest plants. Because of the decaying matter that's not being recycled. And so, and so basically we have this policy that all wildfires are bad. So we need to put them, put them all out, even if it's a small one. Exactly. And, and what you're saying, tell me if I'm wrong here. What you're saying is that that that's causing when a big wildfire comes that we can't actually put out, it has way, way more fuel. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. But this, what this study is saying, the tall timbers research station is that if you don't have a fire in a forest, the forest becomes unhealthy. So you'll lose biodiversity. Yeah. Because you need the fire to recycle all the old plants so new ones can come up. Right. So it actually affects the species living in the, in the Yeah. And these, these giant wildfires, right? They'll burn out all of the, the non-native, the, um, <clears throat> sorry, they burn out these plants that are annual plants that don't stick around for a long time. So they don't have their roots deep in the soil. And so those plants can't keep coming back. 
the plants that are deeply rooted and are fire resistant and build up that kind of tolerance to it. Like for example, we'll go back to the sequoia. Like a sequoia has all these adaptations to stand against a fire. So do redwoods. They have really big spongy bark that's very thick, right? And you, if you go into a sequoia forest on the West Coast, you just see all the trees have burn yeah, marks on you them. you see all the burn marks There's, on the trees. Because they've all survived many, many fires. Um, okay, so a second study from the Journal of Forestry, 1975. It was a 12-year study done of pine forests in Canada. Concluded that trees should be burned every three years to reduce natural fuels and forest wildfires. Every three years. Yeah, every three years. I thought it was one. I thought it was one in ten before reading this. This study said it was every three years. So we should have some kind of either prescribed burn or some naturally occurring small wildfire every three years in the area to get rid of the fuel. And yeah. if we don't do that, then we have this buildup and it goes crazy. Right, this buildup and goes crazy. You know, it takes trees. Obviously, it takes trees a long time to get to their their giant state of being massive. Yeah, thousands. And if you have all these little fires, it'll burn out the kind of the young shrubs. A lot of them that are very flammable. But if you have not that many, and you have one, you know, one giant firestorm, it's just these young trees are ready to explode because nothing has wiped them out. Yeah. Okay. So. You know what? Thank you for helping me with that section. I'm going to need your help today. Okay. Cause I'm like feeling you. a little low. I need your kind no, get, of arousal. Get your arousal. Arousal. Drink that chai. Drink yeah. that chai. Let's Drink have that a toast. Chai. Drink that dirty chai. Let's make a toast to hey, prescribe burns. To prescribe burns. To prescribe burns to the, to all the firefighters out there yeah. that are fighting these, these horrible fires and everyone uh, helping. Really Absolutely. awesome. Let's to do you. a toast to you. Everyone grab you. your coffee. Let's take a sip. And, and let's all drink. Hope you guys have some good coffee Jesus. at home. Jesus. Driving. Oh, I feel it. At work. My fingertips. Mm-hmm. My feel lips. it. Tips. My packer. All right. Keep going. Okay. So, Noah, we just talked about why wildfires are not always bad and why we need some of them for a healthy forest. So, why do these giant firestorms that we see today happen? Great question, Adam. Yeah. Tell us. So, one thing, one thing that I forgot to touch on was the theme of the episode at the beginning. The theme of this episode is gridlock or lack of progress, specifically in the firefighting management or wildfire prevention methods. Um, and a good, a good example of this is that most fires are artificial. Okay, they're created by humans. They're not created by uh, Mofia. natural. Yeah, Mofia. They're not created by natural events. So when I looked at the U.S. Forest Service website. It said that the, over in the last 10 years, 54% of wildfires have been caused by humans, while the rest, 46%, have, have been caused by lightning. Okay? Then I looked at the National Park Service to double-check this figure. Again, National Park Service, U.S. Forest Service, you think they'd be on the same page? Right? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I would think so. The National Park Service actually said that not 54 but 85% of wildfires are caused artificially by humans. So there's two points here that I want people to get away from this. The first point is that most fires, way over half, are, ca- are caused by hu- human causes and not lightning. The second thing, going back to our theme, theme of gridlock, is how different two government agencies are reporting their data. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, yeah. And I just thought I kept going back and forth because I was like, before I say this, I just want to make sure that I'm right on this. It's kosher. Yeah. The US, so the U.S. Forest Service has 54% are artificial and another government agency the National Park Service is saying that there's 85% artificial. Are they talking about fires on their own lands? They're oh. talking about artificial first natural fires in the United States. Okay. So 55, between 55 and 85. Yeah, between 55 and 85. More than half are artificial. Why do they confer? Why do they occur? We're going to start first with lightning. Okay. So lightning hits the ground in both positive and negative strikes. When it hits the ground in a positively charged strike, it remains contacted with the ground for longer. And this is what causes the initial embers. When you have a lightning storm, Adam, I'll give you this. When, when there's a lightning storm, what is generally also happening? You're freaking out. I'm, you're I'm definitely freaking my, out. freaking out inside. Yeah, you're freaking out. There's also really high winds. Yeah. Okay. And what these winds do is even a tiny... So if you've ever had a fire... Okay, anyone at home? If you ever had a fire, you've you've gotten down and blown Mo- into blown into the flames. Mofire, 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 mofire. Gotten down and blown into the flames to make the flames bigger to give the fire oxygen. Yeah. Okay, that's exactly what the wind does. It uh-huh. takes those embers, gives them a ton of oxygen, and boom, and then they 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 rage. And that's why like a small ember can actually cause a huge fire with wind. Yeah, I was just thinking that like when you have a little ember and you're trying to blow into a flame in a little basket, that's what you do. You blow on it a little bit. Right. So you it's give just it that on a way bigger scale. You give it oxygen. So fire needs three things. Adam, can you list these three things? Yeah. Pussy, money, weed. 
<laughs> Dr. Dre's fire. Yeah. All right. So, so a fire. Uh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. It's three things, right? Three things. Okay. It needs fuel. Okay. Um, hold on. It needs fuel. It needs. You drink your chai. What the hell? It, drink your dirty chai. What else? It needs. It needs ignition. Something to start it. Okay, that's fine. Heat. We're gonna. I'm gonna count that for you. It needs fuel. It needs heat, and it needs air. To I breathe. just said it. What, air. Air oxygen. is what. Air oxygen. is what. Oxygen. Good. Yeah. Fuel, heat, and oxygen is what's called the fire triangle. Okay, the three things that fire needs. Okay, in order to fight fires, you want to be. You want to take one of them away from it. Which air. you know we water, air, okay. earth, earth, fire. water, fire. Air. The Avatar. The Avatar. Yep. You guys, if you haven't already watched Avatar, it's time for you to get down on it. Yeah, you got it. It's on Netflix. Right Moving now. to I artificial causes of fire, Adam. Adam, you drink your coffee while I'm, while I'm talking. You get I aroused. Know. You're doing good. I'm okay. trying to distract you. Moving to art, moving to artificial. Downed power lines. Okay, so like, Wait, let's say... You, sorry, sorry, I don't want to interrupt again. You were doing really good with natural. Is there anything else you want to say about natural? Because you're, you're touching on lightning that strikes and then the embers that spread. Yeah. Okay. So... That's a good question, but lightning is by by far the the cause of of natural fires. Okay. If you have a buildup of organic matter that and it's really hot outside, it can actually spontaneously combust. But that's such a low percentage that in fire data, they don't even have a section for it. Is that a real thing? Spontaneous combustion? Yes. If like, you have like a buildup of organic matter, organic matter is soil, debris, plant litter, whatever. Yeah. If basically, if you have a one approximately one fuck ton of fuel on uh-huh. the on the ground, uh-huh. it can spontaneously combust. Although it's such How? a low percentage. How does it spontaneously combust? No idea, but it does. Um, quick story, real quick. We were in high school at boarding school. We used to just like break windows and stuff, and like break the the bed would just break because we were like eighteen year old boys, and you know we just. I don't know. They would just like break. No, they I were know. Just, Cause you're so just a wild, 18 year old boy is a wild um, animal. You and like the, the door master would come over and he'd be like, so like, I see that the window like looks like it's been headbutted, like clearly. Right. And you're like, yeah. And, he, and I was like, 18 year old uh-huh. boy. And he was like, so what happened? And I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know. We had a bed. And he'd be like, so it spontaneously it. combusted another spontaneous combustion. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. He's yeah. like, so it just happened Yeah. again. So, so, oh, okay. I see. For the it. third just, time, there was another spontaneous combustion. Spontaneously combusted. That makes a whole lot of sense. 18-year-old boys, yeah. I don't think people... I, they're more animal than human. Def, oh, they're not even animal. They're just like... You need to like put them on a, in a field and be like run around, fight each other, you know, come back in a couple hours when you're done. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have the almost the body of an adult, but you have the brain of a small plant. And your reactor, as mm-hmm. in like your energy levels it's are top-notch. Top-notch. No, you need to be doing manual work or something. Yeah. You need to be... Exactly. Yeah. Well, I think when I was that age, I should have been, been put such on, a good I should have been put on a construction site. I would have done it too. I would have ran. You know, if someone's like run to this other city, you'd be like, "Great, this is great. This is great. great. I get to I'll work with all the lion. dudes. I get to like do construction." I think that you should work manual labor when you're that age. As as a man, be good for you. Okay, moving on to artificial causes of fire, Adam. Yeah. Yep. So lightning as, is natural. Lightning's the biggest natural. Thank one. you. Yeah, lightning is natural. Artificial. Downed power lines. Okay, so let's say that there's a huge storm. A tree falls on a power line. Boom, goes right right down into the ground. Okay, this is the leading cause of artificial fires. A tree leaning on a power line? Tree leaning on a power line, branch snapping on the power line, whatever. Lean right. on me when not Drink strong. your coffee and focus. Okay. You. Okay, the big the biggest example of this is is PG&E's failure to stop the flow of power on a high voltage line in Northern California. Bastards. Okay, yeah, no, this is awful. Caused uh-huh. the campfire, which as we talked about earlier, which burned down the town of Paradise, killed 84 people. Uh, the company faced $18 billion in damage claims, and they pled guilty to all 84 counts of involuntary manslaughter. Did they? Yeah, and they what, are now what was the outcome bankrupt. They're bankrupt now. I, okay, so about a year ago, I looked into this. It's really interesting because they're, they're a huge PG&E. They're by the, the way, biggest utility in California. By the way, sure, for people that right? didn't, so we grew up in California. They were hated. PG&E was hated like 30 years ago. Right, they are hated so much they changed their name to SBC. Right, they changed their name because they were hated so much. PG&E. They, they, I think they had something. To, uh, um, don't misquote me on this. Look this up yourself. But I think they had something to do with the Enron thing. When I watched that documentary, like they were kind of involved with that. Please fact check that, there everybody. Okay. Um, but they're already hated in Northern California. There were like there were at least ten days of the year where we wouldn't have power. So they're responsible for the campfire because they didn't clear the the timber off the line. 
they were responsible for the campfire because they didn't they didn't maintain their lines. Okay. This but, line should have been with new technology. It should have been, you know, it shouldn't have done this. There's also several other fires, right, that they are responsible for. Yes, this is the biggest one. This is the 2018 fire. Right. Okay. Okay. They're still I mean, are they still a utility in California? It's a great question. Pretty I know sure. that they they filed for bankruptcy. Mm. I so mean, you can imagine when, it, when a huge utility, utility, when a huge utility that's that big goes bankrupt, it doesn't just go bankrupt. Yeah. You can't just take it, rip it out of the system that it's in. I don't really understand the utility thing because it seems like there's only one utility for every state we've lived in. That's the dominant one. I don't understand the don't utility really either because in, so listen to this in Austin, Texas, there's Austin power, which is like the utility you get there. Uh-huh. However, in Waco, when you go to Waco, Texas, an hour and a half away, there's like four or five power companies that you get to choose from. Oh. So I don't understand when it's like, it seems like private and when it is not private. Yeah. I totally don't I, get it. I don't get it either. Yeah. Other, other ways that fires start, as Adam mentioned, burning campfire. Yeah. Okay. Leaving the campfire burning. Mm-hmm. Cigarettes and arson. Those are, those are the other big artificial starters. Cigarettes? Yeah. Cigarettes. Just throwing the... Just flicking that. Imagine if you flick the cigarette and the it's... It's not the cigarette. It's the wind that hits that cigarette after you flick it. Uh, yeah. It's the wind that takes those embers and just just gives them oxygen and the fire is like, thank you. And it just goes crazy. Uh, a couple of other ways that I've heard of are if you win a car, uh, a car tire exploding and the, um, like the rim of the rim of the tire skidding onto the cement and then causing sparks. And yeah. also like a tractor driving over a rock can cause anything that can cause sparks. Right. The Johnny Cash fire in the 60s, like when Johnny Cash's car exploded, his car was in the desert near LA and his car exploded. It caused like an 85,000 acre burn. He caused an $85,000 acre fire? Yeah. And he like pleaded in court. He was like, he he pleaded that because they couldn't ask the car any questions and the car was the guilty one, not him. So he's trying to pass the blame on to the and car. And he was a famous musician. So what happened to him? Indeed. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's crazy. Hey, I want yeah. you to touch on this because you've touched on this with me mm-hmm. about fire being an organism and not an element. Yeah. Can you speak to that for a second? Yeah. Okay. So there's, as I remember, there's six things that you need to be an organism. One is like a body, right? One is fuel. You know, another one is like exhaust or you give off some kind of, um, some kind of entropy, right? Like smoke. You like give fire. off energy. We energy. give off carbon you give dioxide. Off heat. You just give off heat, heat. or your, your trash basically. Um, and fire is, has five of the six things, but the one thing it doesn't have is a consistent body because the fire's body is always changing. Mm-hmm. So the, but the fire, it, I mean, it consumes energy, it has entropy, right? It breathes oxygen. It's very close to a living thing. So when you think of fire, you can think of it like almost like this, uh, this creature. I think that's crazy. It's more about. alive. Yeah. Yeah. So there are theories out there that say that fire is a creature. It's a living organism, which is wild. It is wild to think Just about. Just to, uh, to comprehend. All right. So that's how fires start. Adam, why are fires getting... Why does it seem like fires are getting so much worse every year? Why has this year been so horrible? So before I get to answer that question, we're going to bring in our friend Scott. So who is Scott? Scott Dunbar is a man who we grew up with in Mill Valley, and he's a good, good friend, and he's a great dude. He currently works as a range technician in the Shasta Trinity National Forest, which is currently closed due to the wildfires. And the thing about Scott is Scott knows a great deal about the challenges of fire control and land management, and we recorded over 40 minutes with him. But for now, we're just going to use five minutes where Scott talks about how changes in California's natural ecosystem relate to the wildland fires currently raging across the West, uh, including the devastation of native plant species, the benefits and drawbacks of grazing, and the challenges of effective policy. So here's Scott. It's great stuff. documented that the uh the plant community of california was vastly different um it was plants that would that were perennial and so would have these deep root systems they were adapted to fire and it helped control the temperature of these fires that burned so that the trees and these Mm -hmm. big trees wouldn't burn these plants were not only adapted to fire they were adapted to to animal grazing too and so back then it would be deer it'd be elk it'd be um i mean 
mostly those two, but, um, and then once European Americans arrived, uh, mostly the Spanish, um, they brought with them cattle and, that's when we started shifting the population dynamics and we got rid of the grizzly bear. We got rid of the, the wolves. We got rid of, we basically just destroyed the entire web of system here. But what it, it did more for the plant community was that it, uh, it shifted because we were, we were grazing these, these plants for production and not just for ecosystem uh, livelihood. We were grazing them <clears throat> for the cattle to gain weight, for, to feed the growing society, to, you know, whatnot. Um, and so then also people, you know, started planting other plants, especially down in the valley, the, the Sacramento Valley, um, hence why it's all agriculture now, um, started planting uh, plants from their native countries because they knew what to expect from them. Over the course of about 300 years, we've shifted the, the, the plant community to one that's no longer based in a perennial system, but is now based in an annual system. And this means that these plants within one season, so they'll, they'll, the seed starts growing in like, you know, October or so. Between October and May is when they complete their entire life cycle. And these are super shallow rooting plants. They don't really offer much benefit. Um, there's a little bit of a benefit in terms of protein for forage, but um, they, what the, the larger problem in particular for fire is that these plants burn way hotter because they're thin, they're, they're very high in carbon, they don't have the, the roots, and most of their energy is up in the top part as opposed to down below so, ground. So, so just to understand, like, the, the old plants basically were much more fire-resistant. Correct. You know, policy is always a... That's a whole other conversation. And, I mean, the, so, like, from a government level, like, we... Like, the forest I work for, we have... I think it's... There's about, like, 10 different sites that are actively grazed. Um, throughout the season like we have animals on but there's about like i think it's seven or eight more sites that there's no animals on right now because it's being it's held up in the the litigation process that's directed uh because of the national environmental protection act or nepa um and which requires you know extensive documentation and study of the areas before an action is implemented whether it be just grazing, whether it be logging, whether it be um, even like a, a, a restoration activity, like um, all of it is so, subject to going through these uh, these hurdles of that. And I guarantee you, if you talk to any rancher, they'll be like, the reason that they more, more often than not vote Republican is because Democrats support NEPA. And they, I mean, for good, good reason. I mean, like if they didn't have their way then i mean we'd just be clear cut in the forest we'd be grazing everything which is not good but there needs to be <clears throat> a way to streamline the process um i mean like these these sites i mean they the, they can be held up in the what's called the, the NEPA long? process for years and which i mean at that point you know everyone's what's just sitting around fucking twiddling their thumbs and <laughs> yeah and what is happening to the land in that arbitration period? It's nothing. Burning, probably. <laughs> burning. So, so NEPA, it's okay. basically, it's basically, just so I understand it, it's basically this like, this bureaucratic process that you have to go through before you do any kind of action on the land, and exactly. it's just way too hard to get through. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a, it's a well-intentioned document, and what animals can do is they can essentially they're big mowers, and they just well control that they'll eat it they'll take dumps they'll continue to spread the fertilization mm -hmm. around um and so a combination of that and then also these the prescriptive burns is my solution <laughs> so for the layperson, don't i would say it's it's really easy to view things in in black and white 
and say that it's either this is because of climate change or it's because this is because the the environmentalists are not controlling the or not allowing the forest to burn in reality everything is much more complicated than it it's, it appears to be and if we can view things on a gradient as opposed to just one or the other then we can actually start thinking of things in more of a systemic approach and not necessarily just a, a cause and effect approach well what did i tell you there's some awesome stuff in there and there you have it from scott himself and now back to the podcast let's talk a little bit about this crazy thing called climate change basically it's not happening at all doesn't and it has exist. nothing to do with the fires doesn't exist <laughs> okay, spoiler going, alert it has a lot to do with the fires obviously yeah, yeah. all right so let's talk about it's getting a lot hotter guess what california is getting a lot hotter and drier than normal from the journal of science advances in april 2016 concluded that the changes in atmospheric circulation above the state of California have made drought conditions much more likely. Also, a 2016 Columbia University study found that the average temperature in western forests increased by almost two and a half degrees since 1970. That's a lot of degrees. It's a, lo- it's a lot of degrees because those increased degrees, they help dry out the forest, forest exactly. causes more fuel. So one thing that when we talked, shout out to Scott Dunbar, our shout friend out. who works in the U.S. Forest Service in Shasta, yeah. that we, we talked to to get info on this. And you'll yeah. probably hear, and from, you'll hear from him later. And you'll hear from him, him later. Um, he was saying that like it's just such a complex problem. There's so many things. It's Policy-wise, it's looked at as a very singular problem, but it's really this connection of a million different things. What do you know? It's one of those things that's, uh, you know, it's just very, very, very complicated. It's very complicated. I okay. keep going. It dries out the forest. As a result of this two and a half degree increase, some 16,000 more, 16, more square miles have been burned than would have had temperatures remained the exact same. So 16,000 more acres have been burned because of the increase in temperature. So it's getting hotter. Also, when we talk about dryness, let's talk about droughts. So if you look at the U.S. Drought Monitor, it's a great URL. It's called drought.gov. So if you go to drought.gov, you can see a monitor of California's average rainfall in droughts. They have a scale of droughts from D0, I guess the D stands for drought, being a basic drought to D4, being described as exceptional and widespread crop slash pasture loss and shortages of water creating emergencies. So the drought monitor started in 2000, and from 2014 to 2020, many four of the last seven years, there were major parts of the state in, sorry, said that completely wrong. Of four of the last seven years, there were major parts of the state of California in drought, which had previously never seen a D4 rating before 2014. Really? Never yeah. ever? Yeah. So D4 is the most extreme drought. Right. Yeah, and they'd never seen it before 2014. No, they'd never seen it. Not a not a D4 rating. So there's obviously insanely bad drought, hotter weather, drier conditions, and also snow melt and snowpack. So from a study done in the Journal of Climactic Change in 2017, concluded that the decline in mountain snowpack leads to the early timing of the snow melt. In other words, the snow melts faster for as much as four weeks too early which leads to less moisture in these young trees and the duff and the basic organic matter that covers the ground of forests, therefore increasing the fire's potential. Okay, so those three things, hotter, drier, and earlier snow melt, that's some of the things that climate change is causing, not to mention the other kinds of things climate changing is, change is causing, like, you know, the, the longer summers and, like, stuff like that we're not going to get into that we've already gotten into in other episodes. All right, so climate change plays a big factor. Another one is the wildland urban interface. What a great word is an interface. Wildland urban interface. The wildland urban interface or the increase in people moving to the wildland urban interface. And when you say wild, wildlife urban interface, it's literally just like more people getting out in the wilds, getting more remote. Yeah, exactly. That's pretty much what it is. So it is a zone of transition between the woodland and human development. More specifically, one housing unit per 40 acres in which the house is in or near wild vegetation. It's called WUI for short. So I, I wonder if um, what they're talking about is in California, right? You have the coast, coast range, and then you have this giant valley in the middle called the Central Valley. There's a lot of agricultural land. And it's very flat and very low altitude. It's very, very hot during the summers. 
So at the at the end of the Central Valley, we're going east, is the foothills of the Sierras. They're like from 500 to 2,000 feet, right? And then you get up into the Sierras, like 5,000, and then the Sierras. And then the other side is Nevada and the desert. So what they're talking about with the WUI, the wildland urban interface, is the spot between like the foothills and the Central Valley. People are moving from the Central Valley up into the foothills. There's more people moving to these areas. Yes. Right. Okay. So like, for example, like Chico and Paradise, they're like right, they might not, they're like right in these areas. Okay. So what is an interface? First of all, an interface is a point where two systems, subjects, organizations meet and interact. It's a great word. So right now I'm interfacing with my chai as I drink it. Another toast to the firefighters and everyone out there. Another toast to the firefighters. Everyone out there helping the evacuees. Okay. Everyone grab your coffee. Stay safe out there. Grab your coffee. L'chaim. Have a toast with us. L'chaim. L'chaim. I just interfaced with my coffee. Me too. And I'm interfacing with you right now. Two systems meeting together. There we go. Okay. So migration. There are more people moving to this spot than ever, like you were saying. With 12.7 million more houses and 25 million more people living in these zones, the wildland urban interface zone, in 2010 than in 1990. These are communities that work in the timber or ranching industries mostly. So they interact with the land and it only takes, as we were saying, one spark to start a wildfire. So there's just that many more people that could start a fire and not to mention that much more Mm, timber from their houses to make the fire explode. More fuel. There's more starter and there's more fuel because of of more interfacing. Yes. Between these two things. Yes. Okay. So we we got got the, the worst dryness. And everything because yeah. of climate change. Yep. Then we have more interfacing with people, which makes more fuel and more ways for it to start. More people backed up into the foothills, into these wild areas. Okay. Yeah. This, okay. Is, why, this is why fires are increasing. The third thing is the suppression of fire. Noah. So fire suppression. Because of the suppression of controlled burns and extinguishing of natural burns, when fires start, this is what we were talking about earlier, they now have a lot more plants to burn than they would have if we had been allowing the forest to burn for the last 100 years. Not to mention more plants, but more flammable things like the hollowed out husks of pine trees from the bark beetle and such. Your questions now. That was good. He nods in agreement. Yeah, no. Do you I, want to I, interface I, with me at all? About anything? I, w- I, w- I want to interface with you. I just wanted to tell the people, it's just... It's a list of those things. It's like, I just read the book Into Thin Air, for those of you who have read it, right, right. about the Mount Everest disaster. And it's not one thing that causes a disaster. In fact, it's like 20 different small things. Right. Right. They're, yeah, exactly. But they're all human error. It's, it's mainly human error. That's when they when they study disasters, right? When you're reading like Tipping Point or something, that Malcolm Gladwell book, there's all these little small human errors that go into a massive disaster. Yes. So for us in this wildfire, right, it's the lack of healthy fire, which leads to the buildup of fuel, the incorrect use of land management, right, which leads to no one looking after these spots. Like Scott said that some of these area, giant areas of land sit in arbitration for years when they're going through like court of what can be used for it. Right. And, and no one's burn. watching over it. Right. So it's we get exploding. That later. We get the, that later as the well. people backing up to the, into the foothills, to the wildlands, the wildland urban interface. Right. Building, building regulations, not building those houses with the correct material. Yeah. Building regulations, trailing behind what needs to happen. So in California now there are strict regulations for building a house to be fire safe. However, most of the houses in California aren't being built in 2020, right? They were built in the 1950s, 60s, you know? Right. Yeah, so they don't they don't have those regulations on those houses, and they're just fuel. They're just fuel, exactly. Yeah. And so, also climate change. Yeah, also climate change. Um, I'm gonna stop interfacing with you just for one second because the last section that I just want to bring up before you go, you can stop is, interfacing with me. There are I don't want to stop totally interfacing with you. Okay, you just want to turn down the interface. I'm gonna turn down the interface a little bit. Is now that there's two seasons for fires. So this, the one that we that's happening right now is the summer fire season, June through September. It's the fire season caused by hotter, drier weather and drought. And then the second fire season is called the Santa Ana season. It's October through April. What does this mean? The Santa Ana winds are the winds that come from the area between the Sierra Nevadas and the area of the Rocky Mountains, so the Great Basin area. Winds come off of that, and they're very dry, warm, and often hot winds. They blow westward through Southern California toward the coast, and they occur between October and... And April, like I was saying, 
They spread embers very easily. They dry out vegetation and they move much faster. So they can move almost three times as fast as a summer fire and burn much closer to urban areas instead of burning the Be- wild Because of the Santana winds. Santana winds, yeah. That make these fires crazy. Yes. Well, again, what does the wind bring? Hmm? What does the wind bring? Why does it make the fires crazy? The wind is just a very, like you were saying, you have wind to make these fires get bigger. Oxygen. Yeah. These winds are like the most fire love fires loves these winds because they are dry and warm and very strong and they make the fires crazy. Yeah. So Noah, we talked about why these fires are happening. Okay. We talked about why they're growing in severity. So wrap it up for us by helping us tell us what can we do to help? Okay. So before I get into what we can do to help, I want to go into why. So when you think about these fires, you're like, these fires are awful. So many people have died. So many people have lost more, have lost their homes. Why, why hasn't more been done? Okay. And I'm going to use an example from Oregon to go back to my theme. There's just, there's gridlock with these fires. There's political gridlock to get any kind of policy passed through. Um, The potential solutions are really costly it's hard to measure the effectiveness because it's such a complex issue. And so it's therefore very hard to get funding for policy that needs to go through. Okay. For example, recently in Oregon where there were competing bills, one was from the current Oregon governor's council on wildfires to spend 4 billion over 20 years to tweet, treat 5.6 million acres of forest and gra- grassland by thinning it. Okay. This is pre-prescribed burns, all that kind of stuff. Another bill petitioned by Senator Herman Birchinger to beef up and modernize the Department of Forestry's firefighting capabilities and add more firefighters. Okay, so one bill says we need to spend the money on forest thinning. One bill says we need to spend we need to spend the money on firefighters. Both are good. What we definitely want to happen is we definitely want to have at least one, if not both of them, pass. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Both bills were never passed. So no new firefighters and no thinning in the forest. No new firefighters and no forest thinning. Okay. Okay. And that would have really helped us now in Oregon with the follow, uh, with the wildfires now. I think that's a good example is because we want either one of these things to pass. But because once it gets up to that level, there's such a partisan divide, they ca- it, it loses why the bill was proposed in the first place. And these things are so hard to measure. They're so complex it's just hard to convince people. It's such a vague, like climate change, right? It is such a vague, complex idea that someone that doesn't believe in it is very, very, very hard to convince them to. It doesn't seem so vague when you, you know, can't see the sky for months at a time. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, now, point, right. Well, that's what we were talking to Scott about as well. Right. So with transportation security after September 11th, yeah. Transportation security has never been the same. It did change. So hopefully with these wildfires now, it will actually change. Okay, so what can, what, what can be done to help now? Uh, blackouts, number one. Okay, so blackouts, otherwise known as predetermined times or situations based on weather conditions that a utility company has to shut the power off to certain areas. Okay, and so you can see this right now in Oregon and uh, a blackout has actually already helped here. So on sep- September 5th this year, Portland General Electric had its first ever blackout for fire prevention. In Oregon, Oregon's, uh, they've never had a, a blackout for fire prevention, even up to 2020, you know, to this point. Pacific Corp, another company, did, did not do the same and serves customers in the same area. Okay, so they're now under investigation for down power lines causing or, or exacerbating the current fires. Um, a spokesperson for Pacific Corp in like classic PR, corporate PR speak said, he said in defense of them not shutting off their power, Shutting off power to our service territory in advance of the event could have created more issues for suppression and evacuation efforts. Oh, God. So you can see how by not doing the blackout, you can easily spin that into like getting out of it if you're a utility company. Yeah. And you can also see how complicated this issue is because he's not totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Right? Like if they didn't have power, how could the evacuees get out? Uh, I don't know. Do you Um, need power to, to drive a car? Yeah, no, I, I I mean, I think they should shut the damn power off, but uh-huh. I'm just saying. Um, in uh, customer responses to blackouts, so even in California, after the 2018 Paradise Fires, um, they ha- the next year, remember, like, mom complaining about this, the next year they had tons and tons of blackouts, and um, Matt Donegan, the chair of the Council on Wild, Wildfire Response in Oregon, 
Okay, he's talking about the and he is talking about the California blackouts after the 2018 fires the following year. Mm-hmm. When asked how the public will respond to more blackouts, he said it's not a popular decision among customers, even in Northern California, where people have fresh memories of one of the worst utility cost tragedies in decades. The public outcry over subsequent preemptive blackouts by PG&E has been intense. Uh, Netflix. Yeah, the people DMA. need their Netflix and chill. Yeah. Yeah. They need their Netflix and chill. So even though blackouts are a very logical solution, right? In these weather conditions at this time of year, power is illegal. You cannot supply people power. Okay. That would stop a solid amount of fire, but it would not be tight because you would not be able to play Xbox live. Right. Okay. But you'd have to take it. Force, force, another way, force thinning, which we've already touched on pre-prescribed burns. Okay. And again, native Americans, Used to, they knew that this helped. They used to do this. Native Americans used to have very intensive fire management systems. Okay. And it's something that we talked to Scott, again, our forestry friend about. We've had a policy of just completely stamping out any small wildfire and not lighting these small fires. Mm-hmm. Okay. But because of that, Adam, what happens? What happens when you don't do those small fires? There's a buildup of fuel. That's right. And then when a big fire comes, it burns up all the fuel. That's the main thing. There's many other smaller things that happen. Aren't as good. Yeah. Plants aren't able to develop a resistance to the fire as well. Okay. Here's the thing I don't get too. By clearing these fires, okay, you can also bring jobs and revenue to these rural communities. Uh Uh-huh. Fire jobs. Okay. Fire fire jobs or even removing these dead trees and selling, selling the timber. Okay. Okay. So you can make a positive feedback cycle through this where you get money to refund this kind of fire prevention. Mm-hmm. So again, my theme is the gridlock, right? The lodge, the, the jam, because some of these things are, they seem so doable. Blackouts, very feasible, right? Yeah. It's feasible like- to be able to do that. Forest thinning, because it's a positive feedback cycle where you can get in re- revenue. Would you say that that's feasible, Adam? That sounds good. Okay. Another, another one that's really good. Cattle and sheep grazing. Okay. Okay. This is a cool one. So you basically let cows and sheep go up, go up into the forest, up mm. into the hills. This must be harder for you to talk about as a meat eater, an eater of meat, a destroyer of planets. <laughs> you. Me. You should destroyer have a destroyer of worlds. Me, meat eater, destroyer of worlds. How's your vegetarianism going? It's neither here nor there. Keep going with what you were saying. Okay. So me, cattle and sheep grazing. Okay. Send the cattle and the sheep up into the hills. What do cattle? Send them, Adam. What do cattle and sheep eat? Grass, grass, underbrush, yep. otherwise known as the big F. If you had a brain, you would say fuel. fuel. Okay, yeah. Otherwise known as fuel. So you can graze. So private farmers they can graze their sheep and their cattle up up in these hills. Yeah, they can and get rid of the underbrush. And the you the Forest Service can make revenue by leasing out. These areas oh, of the forest. I see. I see. Right? Very cool. Creating cool another yeah. positive feedback cycle. Cool solution. To, to then just keep doing it. Right. So I think one of the most one of the most gridlocked, like frustrating things about this whole thing is how how good these solutions are. Okay, so why can't we get any of these things passed then? Okay, again, we we can't, and I think the bills in Oregon are a very good example. We can't get anything passed because they're very, very expensive. It's very hard to measure effectiveness of it. And because when it gets up that high, what happens is the partisan divide that we have right now. Oh, God. They can't agree on one of the bills. Just do one bill. Really? They can't. So so in Oregon, it was the council is Democrat. We have a Democrat. Kate Brown. Yeah. Okay. And then the other dude that and his bill was also good was, mm-hmm. a, was a Republican. Yeah. And just them being in those parties. They just can't get the other party to to agree to give, on one to of them a little together. Bit. Yeah, just choose one of the bills. Have more firefighters or more forest thinnings. Both sound good. Ah, governmental gridlock. Governmental gridlock. That's where we are. Okay, okay. Um, those wanna, are great ideas. Those are really cool. I know. I want uh, one more that that I love. Okay, this is a great one. And actually, Scott, let us know this one too. I had never known this. Yeah. So prisoners being used as firefighters. Listen to this, Adam. Yeah. Since the 1940s. California has used prisoners as firefighters. Mm-hmm. This is a long-term state practice for over 80 years. 3,500 of the state's 15,500 wildfire firefighters are inmates. Okay, a huge, huge what, what is amount. that, like 20%? Huge amount. Huge amount. Unfortunately, because of coronavirus, these inmate firefighters were locked down. And so not all of them are currently active to help battle the fires now, which is actually an exacerbated problem, obviously. Yeah. yeah. 
Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, just passed a law that allows inmate firefighters to have their records expunged, allowing them then to become actual firefighters. Great law. Great law. Very, very great law. So it not only allows inmate, like, this is great. Sit, we have all the manpower. But it allows, Send them to, it the allows them to turn it into a career. I know. It's awesome. It's, this is awesome for so many reasons. One, okay, we, great. we need more of, more of these dudes on the front lines. Great career. To, to fight the fires, right? Absolutely. Put them out there. Yeah. Put the inmates out there. And it's there. a really good career, too. It's a really good career. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to... I'm a your, firefighter. Who says no? Get who your says honor no? back. Hey, I want to hang out with do, a firefighter. Wait, do you, you know... say like, no? Do you know Mulan, yeah. right? She had, to, she had to go fight to get honor, right? She wanted to bring honor to her family. Yeah, you bring honor okay? to us all. This is like... Not only do you get to be a firefighter, you get to be your self-worth, your honor back. Yeah. You know, like the Night's Watch, basically. Yeah. You got to, yeah. It, but you don't have to be celibate. Because you're a firefighter and people think you're cool. get out of prison. Yeah. Okay? So... I, I have a lot of questions about this. Just like, I'm interested lo- logistically in this. Yeah. Like, how do they monitor the prisoners while they're fighting the fires? Yeah. You don't, how do you feel about this section? No, I love it. I love it. Keep going. I'm... Okay. I just think that three, there's only 3,500. Put a ton of the inmates, good acting inmates, go fight the fires. Get them out there to fight the fires because Gavin is, so, and after they fight the fires, they have a career that they can go into. Yeah. This stops a lot of other problems. Yeah, it's win-win-win. And, and a bill just got passed. You All know, right. His bill. And that's the third positive feedback cycle that uh, we've mentioned just with fire prevention. Okay. Great. Those are all great things you can do. Or that we should be doing, really. Okay. The, I want to talk about one more thing. Sure. Okay. Scott mentioned this. Okay. NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, was yeah. passed in 1970. Right, right. This is mostly a very good thing. Because mm-hmm. it, it protects all our wildfire, wildlands. It protects our forests, okay? One of the horrible things with it is that if you want to do anything to... Let's say there's a spot of forest that has horrible underbrush, horrible amounts of fuel, and it lies right in a fire zone. And you're like, hey, we got to get rid of this fuel before fire season, before, before September. Yeah. Okay? You have to go through NEPA, National Environment Policy Act, first and do all this like litigation and bureaucracy with it. To get it approved, which can take years. Like, you guys know how, how slow the government is working with anything. So it takes years to get passed. So guess what happens in those years that it's waiting for it to get passed? It burns as part of the wildfire. Yeah. And then once it gets passed, it's like whatever. Yeah. Okay. So it oh. takes it takes way too long to get anything done. It takes way too long to get anything if done. If you want to do something with the land. If you want to do something with the land, it takes way too long. There needs to be a streamlined even process though, for a fire. Even though the act itself is a, was a good idea. Right, but the, so the fire, fire stuff, if you're trying to yeah. pass something to fight or fi- wildfire, it should be streamlined. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Adam. Yeah. Let's go up with kimono here. Yeah, let's do it. I, it, it's frustrating because it feels like there's a lot of ways to be able to fight these fires or, or to make them better. And it feels like we're just stuck. We're gridlocked. It's very frustrating. It's sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's so much property that's burned. So many people's lives have been lost. Their livelihoods have been lost. Like these, there's just a massive exodus in Oregon right now. What is it? Ten percent of the people in Oregon mm-hmm. uh, have lost homes. Yeah, it's un- That's an unbelievable amount of people just without a home now. It's so crazy. I don't think I don't know how like, thousand people have been evacuated. I'm not sure if they've lost homes. Ten percent of the population of Oregon has been evacuated. So you hope this will be a wake up call for governments to know that climate change is you know it's here. It's happening. It's affecting everyone now. Yes, and to to even even if they don't recognize that climate change is wrong, to at least recognize that to fight, do something better to fight the wildfires. You know what? We really got to get some some better leadership up in here. We we need to we need to work together across partisan lines and get some of these things done. We do, or else these things are just going to get worse every year. I mean, they were terrible last year. This year they're record bad. Next year they're going to be even worse. I mean, what? We're going to have such bad fires that we're just going to need to that's leave a, in September. That's what I think about it. It's like, what point do we have to get to for it to be like something will get done? Like, do we need like a city to burn down? What is it? Like our air is like four times as bad as New Delhi right now. Yeah. Like Beijing has great air compared to us now. Yeah. It's not even close. You know, we just Beijing is like a mountain spring. Yeah. Compared to the air we have now. Take uh, one more sip. Let's take, take, let's take, take one more sip to everyone fighting the fires. Everyone fight the fires. Everyone helping with the sorry, effort. If you if you lost homes, lives, if you friends, lost homes, family, lives, fires, sorry, it's terrible, it's horrible. Okay, this one's to you to send you love. To you, everyone, drink your coffee. Adam, where can the people yeah. find us, guys? 
the best thing you can do for this podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, if you're listening on your iPhone, I have an Android, but if you're listening on iOS, look at your phone right now. There's a, see those little five stars? Hit the five star review. Give us the five yeah, star baby. rating. None of that one, two, three, four star bullshit. Give us five <laughs> stars. You, I'm, you're on your phone right now, right? Look at the stars. Just click the five. That's what you do. Just click it. Click it for us. Do it. Okay. If you're not on an iPhone, go to iTunes. Give us a rating and a review. Ask a question in the review. We'll answer it on here. Yeah, you can ask us a weird question. Any kind of Any, weird question. Nothing we'll ask. is weird with us. You know, nothing is weird. Do you like to put your finger in places that you know you shouldn't put your finger after you pick your nose? That's a fine question. We'll answer that. That's good, guys. We yeah. love you. Hope you're staying safe from the wildfires. If you're helping, that's great. Be careful out there. Be careful out there. Don't go outside. Don't go inside anywhere else. Just stay in and just read some books, play some vids. Not like you haven't been doing that already because of coronavirus. Just do it harder. Right? Yeah. Do what you've been doing for coronavirus is harder if With you live in Oregon more California. Weed. More edibles. With more weed and edibles. Okay. Okay. Check, guys, check. Love you. See Love you next you. time. Bye-bye. Bye.